The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. Well, we are taking a, a bit of a break from the book of Genesis, a couple of week break here, um, because we have the occasion in these two weeks to observe both sacraments together. We're observing the Lord's Supper today, and we also have the joy of celebrating the Sacrament of Covenant Baptism for the Gurlis family and their new son, Jonathan David, next week. Uh, and so taking that opportunity to pause here in these two weeks from the book of Genesis and the sermon series on the faith of our Father uh, to look in a summary format of these two sacraments. So today we're going to be gathering our thoughts around the Lord's Supper, even as we prepare our hearts to take that together and uh, have something of a um, you know, brief Brief meditation on that as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper today. And uh, you'll want to open in your Bible to Matthew chapter 26. So if you've not already done that, let me invite you to open up a Bible. And we're turning to Matthew 26. It's on page 832 of the New Testament. And we will be reading from Matthew 26, verses 26 to 29, which is the institution of the Lord's Supper. And these will be some familiar words for us. But let me first just say that uh, it seems to be the case that with every major transition in life or all the major moments throughout our lives, uh, like graduation seasons, like weddings, um, ordination services like I'll be going to this evening, uh, funerals, uh, they are always marked by an important occasion that surrounds the other occasion, which is the invitation to come and eat, usually. Uh, there is celebratory or remembrance meals associated with these major life events. There's graduation seasons, and so there's endless barbecues and picnics to celebrate all the graduates. And all these different events of our lives are also marked by the milestone of gathering around a table and being invited to come and eat. And those words strike familiar to us. And we want to think about the invitation to the table to come and eat in light of what Jesus says to us in the institution of the Lord's Supper, but also to remember that those words sound familiar. And we want to trace those words. So we want to understand these words at a deeper level. So we'll be in Matthew 26, but also a few other places. So you want to keep your Bible open and follow along in your outline. Uh, but for now, let's pray and ask God's blessing upon his word as we hear it together in Matthew 26. Father, we pray that as we worship you now by spending time in your word, that your spirit would illuminate our minds to give us understanding, to, to give us a more sincere, heartfelt faith, to make our ears more ready to hear and our hands and our hearts more ready and willing to obey. Lord, we pray that as you teach us from the scriptures today, that we would be a people transformed in the power of your spirit. So come, Lord, and help us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the word of God from Matthew chapter 26. Uh, we find Jesus in the upper room here with his disciples, giving the institution of the supper. This is the word of God. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, 
he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. And let us give our attention to the word of God here. As I said, you have an outline there, and there's three places that we're going to be turning to, because as we see Jesus' words here in Matthew 26, very familiar words to us, I want us to understand that in verse 26, we find Jesus with the invitation, take, eat. And uh, there are some times when we're speaking with people and uh, they ask us a question perhaps, maybe it's about a, a musical artist or a song title or something like that, and you say to yourself, if you haven't asked me that question, I would have been able to tell you, but as soon as you asked me, I can't come up with the answer. Or there are often times when someone says something and it sparks this remembrance of, I know that, I have heard that before, I can't quite put my finger on it, and that is the way in which I actually want us to look at verse 26. Because this invitation of Matthew, verse 26, 26, 26, Jesus' invitation in the institution of the supper marks some of the most famous words in all of the Bible, actually. Take, eat. I want us to trace the history of this as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, as we hopefully begin to see the incredible breadth of God's salvation history for his people. So even though we're in Matthew 26, I want us to go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. So let's flip over to the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 because here we find uh, the all-important narrative not only of God's creation but of God's original mandate for his uh, first people, Adam and Eve. Uh, when you turn there to Genesis chapter 2, we are reminded that after God made the heavens and the earth, uh, he placed Adam in the Garden of Eden and there to work and to keep that garden, to uh, dwell in it with his wife Eve. And we find the instruction in Genesis chapter 2 verse 16 that God invited Adam to partake of the goodness of the garden. Uh, pick up in verse 15, chapter 2, verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. There's a lot of emphasis on eating here, but I want us to see, first of all, that God extends an invitation of grace in verse 16. Adam, enjoy the fruits of my creation. Enjoy the fellowship with the living God in the Garden of Eden and take hold of all that I have given you for food except one tree. But, Adam, take this. Enjoy this. Eat of this and delight in my goodness. Let it be a blessing to you. Rejoice in all of my goodness to you. Yet with this, of course, verse 17, the limitation for the sake of obedience. For everything that I've given to you, Adam, just one tree that you shall not eat. 
Not because I'm unkind, not because I am withholding my blessing to you, but because, Adam, the fullness of blessing will be enjoyed by you when you delight in my goodness according to my word and when you also obey my word not to eat of this tree. Adam, take and eat of all things except this one. The invitation. But right away then in chapter 3, don't we remember these words? Chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And right away you see the twisting and deceiving words of the serpent. Did God really say? Uh, there have been volumes of books published on this verse. The twisting of God's word as if to say, Did God actually speak to you did God actually mandate to you did God actually give you his word and communicate his will to you or did he not the serpent is sowing discord in Eve's heart that God had not spoken goodness to Adam and Eve in his command did God really say that that question is at the heart of I think every sin and disobedience in the world surely God didn't mean that when he said that has God really said Notice how in verse 3, Satan twists the command. Verse 3 says, But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What is Satan saying to Eve? No, Eve. Take this. Eat this. Not according to God's command, but in disobedience to God's word. Eve, take. Eat. This repeated instruction. Twist the command and twist Eve's perception of God. Eve, what God has told you is not good for you. God doesn't really have your best intention in mind. God wants to withhold from you, Eve, the full goodness that you could enjoy if you would but break God's word. Eve, take it and eat it. So we find in Genesis 2 and 3 that Satan says, take and eat to ruin mankind because what results from Genesis 3 is the fall of sin, of course. Everything that is wrong with the world is explained in Genesis chapter 3. Why is there sin in the world? Genesis chapter 3 explains that. Why is there death in the world? Why is there discord in my family? Genesis chapter 3 says, All mankind have fallen because Satan said, Take and eat to ruin mankind, and we received it. That foundation is essential to understand. And then we want to move forward on into Exodus and chapter 12. So go with me now to Exodus, the second book of the Old Testament. Genesis, then Exodus chapter 12. Because this invitation of taking and eating is essential, not just for the opening chapters of Genesis, but we find this idea of sharing a meal and taking and eating is essential to salvation history. Uh, when you're going to Exodus chapter 12, that is the story of the Passover. Of course, the book of Exodus is all about the nation of Israel being held in captivity of slavery in Egypt. And this is about the time that they are about to be rescued as they make an exodus from Egypt, from slavery, to go toward the promised land. But before they left, there was to be the commemoration of a meal, the Passover meal. 
Exodus chapter 12, starting in verse 7. Exodus 12, verse 7 says, Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the house in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of the raw or boiled in water, but roast it, its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn it. In this manner, you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And so again, as Israel is about to be delivered from Egypt, they are given this meal in anticipatory celebration of the deliverance that they were going to experience. God was going to rescue them out of Egypt, and they needed to eat this meal in preparation for that leaving, that fleeing, and that exodus. And notice that the characteristic of the eating in verse 11 is with, verse 11, the belt fastened, sandals on your feet, staff in your hand, ready to go. Because this meal anticipates and prepares you for the deliverance that you are about to receive. But Israel, take this and eat it according to God's command. So Moses said, take and eat to prepare mankind. To prepare mankind. And in one sense, they were eating this meal to sustain them through their exodus, to sustain them as they traveled away from Egypt and into the promised land. In one sense, they were being told to eat it, to prepare them for that fleeing. But in another sense, they are being prepared for something much bigger than that. Because this Passover meal that's being instituted in Exodus chapter 12 is the Passover meal that the Jewish tradition still observes today. And it is the same meal all throughout the Old Testament that Israel was observing year by year. And it was the exact same meal that Jesus was eating with his disciples when we find him in Matthew 26. The Passover meal was the feast of the Jewish tradition in preparation for the deliverance from Egypt. And again, it's the same meal that we find Jesus and his disciples eating in Matthew 26. So let's go there uh, now that we've seen Satan said, take and eat to ruin mankind. Moses said, take and eat to prepare mankind. And now we want to look back again to Jesus in Matthew 26. Again, in the upper room, on the night of his arrest, Jesus has gathered his disciples. Verse 26 says again, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. If it was customary Jewish tradition, Jesus would have said, this is the bread of affliction which your ancestors have broken in preparation for leaving Egypt. But Jesus was taking a moment in time that the disciples would have celebrated again and again and again every year, a moment that they would have memorized the words that need to be said, a moment of deep familiarity. And Jesus takes that moment of the Passover and he reinterprets the meaning of that meal. 
For thousands of years, the Jews had eaten this Passover meal and understood it to be a commemoration of what was then a deliverance from slavery in Egypt, and they were remembering that deliverance into the future. But Jesus sits down at that same table, celebrating that same meal, breaking that same bread, but then saying, this is different. Take, eat, this is my body. And what I want us to see, and it's very simple, but at the same time, it's extraordinary, isn't it? That what was in Genesis, words of condemnation. What was in Exodus, only words of preparation. Jesus says to his disciples, take and eat, giving them words of salvation. That which brought the curse of sin into the world is reversed by the Son of God who takes that same invitation and where Satan by his temptation has brought ruin upon mankind, the Son of God comes into the world to reverse the curse of sin and bring about a new exodus, not from the slavery of Egypt, but from the slavery of our sins so that we who receive this invitation take and eat, experience these words of salvation. He is undoing the curse of sin from the garden and he is fulfilling what that Passover meal was really all about, the anticipation of the true Lamb of God and the true exodus from our sins. And so what that means is when you as a Christian believer come to the Lord's table and when you gather in faith and when the bread is broken and we in commemoration remember Jesus' words to take this and eat, it is the remembrance of the fullness of salvation history that the Son of God has worked to redeem us from the curse of our sins. And when we take it and we eat it, not like Eve's reception, when we take and eat what is given to us by the Lord Jesus, we are taking refuge in him for all of our sins. We are acknowledging that we are sinners, that we have sinned, and we find a refuge in Jesus Christ, and we confess before all the world that this Jesus is the true Lamb of God, that in him we find our full forgiveness, and there is none other. What that means then is that salvation history is contained within these words. This invitation of grace, it is no longer a word of condemnation. It is a word of salvation. People of God, Jesus says, take this. Eat of it, and in it find your salvation and the forgiveness of all of your sins. As we think of that, let us prepare our hearts to celebrate the good and gracious work that our Lord Jesus has done for us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that in the Lord Jesus you give to us a Savior for we are a people deeply in need. And so, Lord, as we find this gracious invitation to take and eat, we pray, Lord, that we would with heartfelt faith receive and enjoy the blessings of receiving Christ as our Savior, of having him as our King. Lord, as we eat and drink, may it be not only to the profession of our own hearts, but may it be also the demonstration of our faith to a watching world 
that might peer into the mysteries of what it means to be forgiven and loved by grace. So Lord, as we, your people, take and eat, may it bless us and may it bring you great glory as we confess your Son as our Savior. Meet with us in this time as we celebrate the sacrament, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.